Amen. Thank you, worship team. Children, you are dismissed. Woo. Good morning, everybody. It is a pleasure to see you all this beautiful morning. Again, I apologize for the uh, inability to see the sign, but I promise you will see it next week if I have to drive the truck here myself, all right? Uh, well, I'm going to pray, and we are going to jump into the book of John. We are continuing our series, and although Missions Month begins next week, I'm going to do a soft launch, because as we open up this conversation about the Holy Spirit, it affects the way in which we do mission. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this beautiful day. I thank you, God, that you are with us, that your Spirit is sent to indwell us, to be among us. Father, that we have the ability to live the gospel life, not because of ourselves, but because of you. And we thank you that you have saved us from Satan's sin and death and have given us the ability to be children of God. I pray this morning, God, that you will speak through me. Holy Spirit, that you will use my mouth to speak your truth. I pray that you will reveal the truth to our hearts as we hear the word preached. And I pray, Father, that you will convince and convict us of our need of you. Holy Spirit, we do pray that you will come in your name. Amen. I remember as a freshman in high school... At Nyack College, we had this really big event that we were going to uh, as a high school youth group called Operation Good News, or OGN as it was titled for short. And as we were at Operation Good News, the purpose was to train us to be evangelists. The goal was to have like an entire morning and afternoon dedicated to learning how to go and do a, uh, a cold evangelism moment where we would go and talk with strangers and we would share with them the gospel. And, and we were trained, oh, it was all day, it was a long time where we sat down as high schoolers to learn how to then go share the gospel. But because we were so close to New York City, City, the afternoon and on into dinner time was to go into the city and begin to utilize the training that we had been given. So we would go up to random strangers and we would talk to them about the gospel and we'd share with them what we were about and why we were there talking with them about Jesus. And we would, uh, we would try and lead them to Christ. And if we did lead them to Christ, we were told that we needed to put their names in the back of our Bibles so that we could remember to pray for them. Now, that's a really great opportunity to learn as a high school student how to speak and defend and proclaim our faith. But what had ended up happening in this process was a certain type of competition. You can imagine you put high school boys together and you tell them you're going to go out and you're going to do something for Jesus. And then you're going to write down the names of people recording what you've done. Well, at the end of the day, all of us high school guys got together and said, how many names you got? How many names you got? I got three today. Woo! Do you know where they live? Do you know what their life? No, I don't care. I just wrote their name down. They probably just said yes so that I'd leave them alone. But I wrote their name in the back of my Bible. Right? And so we had this sense of competition that was going on, and we had a sense of arrogance. And the problem was that those who were leading the Operation Good News encouraged this type of competition. They were going to give a prize at the end of the week to the person who brought the most people to Jesus. Now, you could probably see the problem with this process. It became very man-centered. 
It became about what we could do for the sake of the gospel. The worst part was that they did not teach us one thing about the Holy Spirit. Not one. They told us it was about our effort, our abilities. There was great training. It was excellent. I think that it's important for that type of training to transpire, but it was also bad training because we were told that we needed to do it on our own, and it was about our efforts and our capability and our ability to lead people to Jesus. You see, we need the helper. We need to be people who are dependent upon the Holy Spirit because mission devoid of the Holy Spirit quickly decays. Mission devoid of the Holy Spirit quickly decays. A.W. Tozer would say, if we do mission in our own effort, it is only temporal. But if we do mission through the power of the Holy Spirit, it has eternal ramifications. Now, God can and will use anything. Were some of those people that we went out and talked to about Jesus saved? I bet you they were. But there could have been a whole lot more people that we would have been directed to to speak the truth who God had already prepared to hear the message had we just learned about dependence upon our helper. Mission devoid of the Holy Spirit quickly decays. So the question is, as we talk about this idea of the Holy Spirit as helper, and we talk about the importance of inviting the Holy Spirit into mission, the question that we're going to look at is how is the Spirit our helper? How is the Spirit our helper and what does He do? Jesus took time in His deathbed discussions with His disciples to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. John 14 through 16 is a long, dedicated discussion to His disciples about the importance of His leaving and the importance of the Holy Spirit's coming. And so read with me, there are several different passages we're going to be moving around in John 15, John 16, and John 14 to begin. So John 14, 12 through 17 states this. John 14, 12 through 17. And then verse 26 through 27, I'll read as well. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verses 26 through 27. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Now verse, uh, chapter 15, 26 through 27. Chapter 15, verses 26 through 27. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. 
And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And finally, verse six, chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Wow. There's a lot packed in those verses about the importance of the Holy Spirit, our helper. And I think that as we look at those passages, the first thing that you and I can capture in our understanding of how the Holy Spirit is our helper and what the helper does in our lives is this. The helper increases our capacity for kingdom advancement. The helper increases our capacity for kingdom advancement. You and I, as believers in Jesus, we are called to advance the kingdom of Christ. We are called to advance the kingdom of Christ in, in, in pushing for his return. We are to evangelize to the world, to bring people to an understanding of who Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit to advance his kingdom so that the entire world can be evangelized and the king can return. We're called to that mission. That is what you and I are called to. We cannot remain stagnant. But how in the world do we fulfill this giant mission that seems overwhelming and impossible? Well, that's a really great, great place to understand is that it is impossible to do the mission we've been called to. Jesus says something pretty crazy when you think about it. In verse 12, he says, truly, truly, which means absolutely, honestly, listen to what I'm about to say because it's supremely important for your life. Truly, truly, I say to you that you will do the works that I have done and even more. I mean, just think about that even more for a moment. Jesus did some crazy, awesome, incredible things on this earth while he was here. And for him to say, you're going to do what I've been doing. You're going to continue the work. You're going to continue advancing my kingdom. You're going to continue to bring people to Jesus, but you can't do it on your own. You need a helper. You pay attention to that moment. As Jesus is sharing with his disciples, I'm about to go away. I'm about to die. Everything that you've known is now going to change, but don't worry. Because in the Holy Spirit, your helper, you've got this. Not because of your own power. Not because of anything that you've done or will do or could do, but the helper is coming. That is a powerful statement. The kind of, if you just sit there and meditate and rest and pray about that, that blows my mind. That Jesus would say such a strong statement. And he would, uh, he would emphasize it by saying, truly, truly. One of my favorite John uh, commentators, his name's Kostenberger, he says this, What is more, the coming of the Spirit will actually constitute an advance in God's operations with and through the disciples. Jesus is sharing with his disciples, you absolutely need the helper. I have got to leave because the kingdom will advance more with you as Spirit-empowered people than just me here by myself. Jesus had a plan. The Father had a plan for Jesus to be sacrificed, to die, to be rose again, so that you and I could be purified to be vessels of the Holy Spirit. Without Jesus' death and resurrection, you and I could never be purified vessels to have the Holy Spirit indwell us. 
And so Jesus had to die. He had to rise again for the advancement of the kingdom, for the salvation of souls, for the bringing of people to the gospel. He had to die and raise again so that you and I could be purified of our sins, not only so that we could go to heaven, but so that we could advance the kingdom on earth. Man, God's got good plans that never fail, like the sign company that didn't come this morning. God's plans work. God's plans are true and strong. And if you look at church history, there was, when Jesus was on earth, maybe 130 strong followers of Jesus. After one day of filled with the Holy Spirit, preaching, of just going after the Holy Spirit and allowing him to be a helper, you know how many people came to Jesus after one day? 3,000 people. So automatically, you see the first day that the Holy Spirit comes to be the helper upon the disciples, Jesus' words came true right away. Boom! He's like, ha, mic drop on that. That's a phrase the young people say, I apologize. The kingdom cannot advance without us relying upon the Holy Spirit, but the key is recognizing our need for the Holy Spirit. The key is recognizing our need for the Holy Spirit. You and I desperately need our helper. The kingdom cannot advance with the increased capacity without the helper, the Holy Spirit. Jesus not only talks about kingdom advancement, he also talks with his disciples about comfort. He says this, the helper comes with constant comfort. That is the point that Jesus is trying to make. The Greek word for for helper is the word paraclete, and that can mean comforter. And so we look at this, this vast description of the Holy Spirit as bringing us kingdom advancement, empowering us to do the mission, but he also encourages his disciples that the helper comes with constant comfort. Look at verse 14, six, chapter 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. That's not just a future statement. He's not just saying the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. He'll kind of be around. No, he's saying he will be a constant companion, a constant companion of comfort. He will be there forever. You need to rely on him. In verse 27 of chapter 15, he says, peace be with you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Man, that's a really great message for all of us, amen? We do not allow, we do not need to allow our hearts to be troubled because we have the peace of the Holy Spirit. Because when we pursue him in times of pain or pressure, we will find peace. Listen, when we go through pain or pressure, we could try and get through it on our own. We talked about this as Jesus mentioned this in a couple chapters past. You and I need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You and I need the peace of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you recognize this after trying so much. You can never create peace in the chaos of your life. You could be gifted with the gift of peacemaking, but you do not create that peace. That is a gift from the Holy Spirit. You cannot create peace in the midst of your chaos. You cannot create comfort in the midst of your pain and your suffering. That can only be done by the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. 
And so my challenge for us in those moments of pain or pressure is to pursue the Holy Spirit because only He can bring true peace. Only He can bring peace that surpasses all understanding. That's not just a trite phrase. It's a reality. We have a promise of peace. Now, some people might say, okay, well, if I just pray for the Holy Spirit to give me peace, then I'll never have to go to therapy or counseling again. That's not what I'm saying. Because it is important sometimes to allow the human person to be God to us. The other person filled with the Holy Spirit to bring the peace of the Holy Spirit to us through them being there physically present. Counseling and therapy is not one of those things where you say, oh, I'm just I'm not a strong enough Christian. It's not true. God uses that. He uses those folks, if they're filled with the Holy Spirit, to bring you peace, to bring you comfort through the power of the Holy Spirit in those moments of face-to-face connection. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings us peace. Warren Wiersbe said, we usually think of comfort as soothing someone, consoling him or her. And to some extent this is true, but true comfort strengthens us to face life bravely and keep on going. How many times have you been in such a deep despair or struggle that you said these words, I just can't keep going? I've been there. The Holy Spirit's comfort, the Holy Spirit's peace as our helper gives us the comfort to keep going. One of the greatest lies that the enemy loves to tell us is that we are alone. We are alone in our struggles. We're alone in our struggles with work. We're alone in our personal struggles. We're alone in our marital struggles. We're alone in all these different pain areas of life. We, we hear this message over and over again, you are alone. But Jesus says that is a lie, for I will send the helper to be your comfort, to be with you forever. You, as a believer in Jesus Christ, are not alone. So do not believe the lies of the enemy. Do not allow the enemy to tell you otherwise. You have the Holy Spirit. You have access to the living, breathing, loving God. Pursue after him, for he will bring you the comfort. But again, you and I cannot do it alone. Admitting our helplessness and our need of the helper is the beginning of comfort. Because if you and I believe in the lie that the, that the enemy shoots at us, that we are alone, we might say, okay, well, I've got to do it on my own. I've got to knuckle down and work on this because I'm all by myself. I've got no one on my team. I've got to throw the ball to myself. That is a football analogy, right? You throw the ball to myself and make the touchdown as the wide receiver. That's impossible. You're going to get nailed before you even catch the ball or before you even throw it. You're going to look really weird without an offensive line. Right? We need to pursue God. We need to pursue the comforter, but we can only do that when we admit our helplessness. You cannot do it on your own. The mission that you've been given by the Lord can only be done by the Lord. The areas of struggle or pain that you find in your life can only get comfort and peace through the helper, the Holy Spirit. Why is Jesus telling his disciples this in this moment? Because he had just got done telling them, I'm going to die. I'm going to leave you. And they're like, well, where are you going? And he's like, well, where I'm going, you can't go right now. Peace out, I'm going, but you're going to be okay. 
You will not be left alone. I am sending the helper. You can imagine that they're freaking out a little bit. They're a little bit scared because of all this talk of Jesus being dead or Jesus leaving where they cannot go. So he assures them that they will not be alone. It is a beautiful phrase, and he will be with you. The next thing is we open up this passage, and we can see in verse 14, 16, and uh, verse 15, 26 is this. The helper comes with revelation and holiness. The helper comes with revelation and holiness. Look at verse 16 in chapter 14 again. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. He will be with us. And then 15, 26 says this. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you, From the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And he also says earlier in the chapter that the world does not know the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make sense. The Holy Spirit does not make sense to the world. But Jesus says the Holy Spirit will bring revelation. The Holy Spirit will bear witness about me. He will give us the ability to remember the words that Jesus has said to us. Through the scriptures, some of us say, okay, I'm going to memorize the scriptures, and we again lean upon our own understanding. We go there and we try to utilize all these memorization tactics, and we say, okay, I'm going to read it over and over and over and over again. If you invite the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I'll bring those things to memory. That doesn't mean don't read it. That doesn't mean don't try to memorize it. But what it means is that it's not about you. It's not about your capability. The person with the worst memory on the planet can remember what the Bible says because they have the Holy Spirit if they are a believer. How often do we try to do everything in our discipleship on our own? I grew up with a discipleship idea that it's all about what I do. It's about all the boundaries that I put up in my life. It's about all the meetings and prayer meetings and and Bible studies that I go to. That's how I grow in my faith alone, but there was no conversation about the Holy Spirit. And that breaks my heart because I grew up thinking it was all about me. This life, this faith is not all about you. It's all about him. And when we understand our helplessness, when we recognize that we need the Holy Spirit as our helper, as Jesus told his disciples, then we'll see kingdom advancement in a rate that we could never imagine. That's one of the reasons why in our mission statement, our vision statement, we have this conversation of aspiring, this needing to have the Holy Spirit do it. Because when you aspire, you recognize that we're not there and we can't do it. When we aspire to proclaim the gospel, to be a refuge and to restore broken relationships with God and others, we can only do that through the Holy Spirit. And then our mission is to know God. How do we aspire? How do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? How do we ask the helper to come? Well, we get to know him. And then we can make him known. It is a beautiful reality of the Christian life Because when we look at the mission and we look at the Great Commission and we look at what we're called to do overseas and right here, right now, it can be daunting and we can say, man, that is impossible to do. Well, because it is impossible. It is impossible. We've seen missionaries in our denomination do incredible things overseas, not because they had the power, but because they said, you know what, we're going to go, but we need the helper. We are larger overseas than we are in America. Why? Man, I honestly believe 
it's because our missionaries had this idea of dependence down way better than we do. Because when you go into a foreign country and you don't speak the language and you have to eat different foods and all these different things, you clearly have a dependence of like, I don't want to do this, but you need to help me do this. They have a greater dependence and understanding of dependence upon the helper than you and I do. And we need to grasp that again because the culture around us is dying. And we're just watching it happen. We need to advance the kingdom of God, not in our own power, but in His. We can't just sit back on the sidelines. We've got to get in the game. We've got to work to be dependent. It's an oxymoron, but it's true. We have to be dependent upon Him. He brings revelation and holiness. Our holiness flows out of the holiness of the Helper. You and I have no holiness in and of ourselves. You and I cannot understand the Scriptures in and of ourselves. You and I need to hear the Holy Spirit speak through the Word of God. Some of you might have said, you know what, I don't think I've ever heard the Holy Spirit. Well, you've at least heard the Holy Spirit one time and probably multiple times, and here's why. Because when you came to Jesus, you didn't come to Jesus on your own, my friends. That wasn't your mind saying, "Woo! all right, I'm going to go do something that nobody wants to do. Excuse me put this in my pocket. No, see, that's only through the Holy Spirit that you could do that. It's only through the Holy Spirit that you could come to Christ. That is the only way. And when you read the Bible and you understand it, you can't pat yourself on the back and say, I understand doctrine and theology. I'm so smart. No, because this Bible, it says you can't understand it without the Holy Spirit. So whether you are trying to listen to the Holy Spirit or not, if you understand parts of the Bible, the only reason you do is because of the Holy Spirit. Don't pat yourself on the back. Don't write a systematic theology book and say, my brain is so beautiful. Because it's really not you that understands the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit bringing you truth. Revelation happens through the Holy Spirit. He is the one indwelling us, making it make sense, and our holiness flows from Him. Seeking, the holy, seeking to be holy without His help is not only a waste of time, but it's detrimental to the heart of the believer. Why do I say seeking holiness without the Holy Spirit is detrimental? Because you begin to have two things happen in your life, spiritual arrogance or spiritual despondence. What do I mean by that? Well, if you look at the scriptures and you realize, man, I'm doing pretty good. I haven't asked the Holy Spirit. I'm not smoking, drinking, chewing, going with girls who do, you know, all those different things. I'm not going to movies. I'm not dancing. All these different things that we were told that you just couldn't do. That's probably more the 50s and the 60s. And some of you are looking at me like, who said you couldn't dance? Read books from the 50s, all right? But the reality is we can look at that and say, I'm doing pretty good. Everyone else around me is not doing that great, but I'm doing hot with my, my, my relationship with Jesus. It's working. I'm flowing. I'm moving. So then you begin to be arrogant. Or you look at it and you say, you know what? Every Christian around me is way better than me at this thing. I'm totally terrible. Why even try? When we try to get our own holiness apart from the holiness of the Holy Spirit, it's detrimental to our lives. Because you and I can't do it. The gospel message, the reason why the law was put in place in the Old Testament is to show the people you can't measure up. That's why God put it there. We're to follow it and go after it, but the recognition that we couldn't was what God was trying to get through our heads. Because there's a lot of things on there that you probably messed up from the Old Testament that you didn't even recognize this morning. 
Because you can't do it in and of your own power. Our holiness flows out of the holiness of the helper. Also, we can see that the Spirit reveals the triune God to the heart of the believer. This idea of three in one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to the world out there. Even when we can describe it the way the Bible describes the Trinity, it's almost one of the, it's probably the most impossible doctrine to really own and believe because it seems polytheistic, but it's not. We believe in one God and three persons. The only way you and I can have that revelation, the only way you and I can have that understanding is because the Spirit enlightens us to understand. And we capture that belief and we own it. Not because you're so smart, but because He is smarter than you. The Helper will also recall the promises of the Father that we need in moments in our lives. Jesus said, you'll be be able to recall all the words that I say. Not only will that happen as we memorize scripture and have conversations with people about Jesus, this is where the failure happened in my training at OGN, Operation Good News, because it was all about me memorizing, all about me doing stuff. And here Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will bring those things when you need them. If you're in a spiritual conversation with someone at work or on the airplane or the train or wherever you find yourself in a spiritual conversation, Rely on the Holy Spirit. That's where you say that prayer, Holy Spirit, I have no idea what I'm saying. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I need you. I get phone calls as a pastor often where people say, I have no idea what I'm doing when I witness. And I say, well, you could do some reading and training, but, training, but the most important part is for you to, in those moments, ask the Holy Spirit to tell you what to say, and he will. Really? Don't rely upon yourself because the kingdom will advance. God desires the kingdom to advance. And if he has set that chirotic moment, that time that he put right together for you to have that spiritual conversation, he is going to make it happen. He's going to give you the words to say. I had someone come up to me this morning and they were rejoicing because after eight years at work, they finally had a 30-minute spiritual conversation with someone. They prayed for it and God answered. Boom. They relied upon the Holy Spirit for that time and that moment and he engaged. I challenge you to rely upon the Holy Spirit. Finally, as we look at this idea of who the helper is and what he does in our lives, we see that the helper equips us for our mission. Not only does the helper give us the ability to move forward, not only does the helper set up our times and our seasons, not only does the helper give us the words of remembrance, but he equips us. So many people say, I don't feel equipped. Well, all you need is the Holy Spirit. You've got all the equipment you need. He is all the equipment that you need. Now, is it important to train and to study and read things? I absolutely say yes. 100%. I'm a geek. I read a lot. You can see my office. There's books everywhere because I read them. But the most important thing is our dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Our founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance said this, The Holy Ghost is to become, become corporately united and identified with the life of the believer so that he would bring us into direct personal union and act not upon us, 
but in us and through us, becoming part of our very life and controlling every faculty, volition, and power from the inmost depths of our being. Man, are we giving him that much? From the very depths of our inmost parts, where he's controlling every faculty, every volition, and every power in our lives. Because if he is, we are equipped 